Let's talk about age gaps, specifically when the woman is younger and the man is much older. And moreover, let's talk about why some people, namely our starring guest Anna Akana, like it that way. I find older men, for the most part, they're more self-aware. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of benefits to older men. They have a skincare routine. So um, if I if I forget my shit at home, I could be like, oh, babe, give me that pond scream. You know, I like an early dinner. I like going to bed early. And while Anna has always felt that Silver is sexy in her younger years, she wishes that she dated more in her age range. And she would give that advice to 20 year olds today. I would say if you're in your 20s, don't date anyone older than 30, honestly. In my early 20s, I dated a lot of older people and I don't think it served me. I think I think th there was something wrong with them to be attracted to to me. Tell me more about that. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'm gonna take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend I say. Lovers and friends. Uh, I'm gonna hold you down down to the end. I say. Hi there, lovers and friends. Welcome to the podcast called The Same Damn Thing I Just Said. My name is Shan Boudram. I'm a public-facing sex and relationship expert. I'm the host of this podcast, and we have been rocking for 100 or coming up on 100 episodes. And this is our first time talking about the traditional age gap. And I say traditional because when people hear that, they think younger woman, older man. And that is exactly what we are touching on today, specifically what our guest, Anna Akana, is talking on from her lived experience. So while you can obviously see this with your eyes, I wanna just state that this conversation is sensitive and it is wide, and there are many experiences and caveats to include in here. So what we're talking about today is the lived experience of one person mixed in with the opinion of two other people, Anna and myself. But boy, what an opinion it is. I genuinely adore Anna Akana's work. I've been a fan of hers for a very long time. And when she said that she wanted to talk about this topic, I was delighted because I have attempted this conversation before with other guests. It just didn't go productively or people backed out at the last moment because they were afraid of the steam and the blowback that they could get because people can have very heated opinions about this. Um, but Anna is somebody who's accustomed to the heat and also I think has a very grounded perspective on where she is at and why she came the way that she did. So without further ado, we're gonna get into that conversation. Just as a note, we have four ads in this episode and in each ad, I'll be popping in with other thought starters, questions and informations. So let's get to it. Anna Connor, what's up? Uh, you know, I'm so excited. I'm a big fan of your Are work. you the internet's original big sister? I, I, I know I'm the internet's poor man's Natalie Tran. I don't know who <laughs> Natalie Tran is. Community channel? No. Oh my God, she's like an OG Australian uh, YouTuber. I interpret your content. I mean, I'm a consumer of your content, but I'm a normal consumer. So I'm not like every Wednesday <laughs> since 2001. Um, but I always tap in with you. I am so such a fan of your work. I watched oh, your you. YouTube original. That to be said though, as long as I have followed you and kept up with you, I have never seen you officially with somebody. Really? I'm I I was officially with Ray William Johnson for a long time and okay, I still get I comments. Okay, I do know that. Yeah. I did know that. And then I was also with a man named Brad Gage who would well, often appear in my content. So those were my most public relationships, I'd say. Mm. Yeah. And in between there? In between there I was also with George Watsky, although he was never in my videos. He uh, I would promote his 
his like vinyl records and stuff within the background of a lot of shots. And we were public on Instagram. I don't know what that counts for, but yeah, I have I have had public relationships to the point where people have called me like the t- the YouTube Taylor Swift. That's hilarious. Yeah. No, I just have missed all of those. I did know about <laughs> Ray Williams Johnson, and so we're here to talk about age gaps and relationships. Yes. Did that start with him when you guys big gapped up? Or um, prior to him, actually, I dated a man in his mid thirties when I was nineteen twenty. Um, I made a short about it called Take Your Birth Control because I'd gotten pregnant. Yes, and yeah. yeah. I did watch that. Yeah. So he was a much older man than I was. And I actually met him because I was doing background on set and he was an assistant director. Um, but yeah, it was a wild relationship. Uh, most of the people I've dated since then have had quite large age gaps. Okay, let's go back to go forwards. Why? I mean, the man I'm kind of seeing, right, well, I'm seeing two men right now, one's 51, 160. Um, I think the reason is because my dad's older than my mom. So I was modeled a relationship in which the man was much older, in which he had a lot of authority. He had a lot of knowledge. I find it very attractive when someone is almost like a, a niche in their in their lane. Like George was a poetry champion when he was 15 and Brad had like all this insane knowledge of like old school stand up. And I, I don't know, like there's something about like a man who seems like he's in a position of authority that's very attractive to me. Also, like maybe you have this, but as someone who's an entrepreneur who has to micromanage all of your content, who has to be so driven in that space, like I find it very comforting to be in a romantic relationship where I do get to kind of like leave it up to the guy to make a lot of decisions for me um, or who I can follow his lead because I'm so used to being a leader in my career. Okay, so understood. So you still retain ownership over your career. Yes. But then you have a romantic relationship where you're submissive. Yeah, I like to be, yeah, I like to be a little sub. All right, I think you guys will find this interesting. So on the day that I taped with Anna, I also taped with Demona Hoffman, who is the author of F Ya Fairy Tale. She is a dating coach and she touched on this topic and brought a different vantage. So while this episode is not going to air until December because her book comes out in January, I did want to play this clip back to back with what Anna just said for your consideration. I'll hear from a woman that owns her own business, that has her own house, that is very successful in her own right, that she doesn't want to do all of that in dating. And it's like, you can't, you can't turn you off. You're always going to be you. Everywhere you go, every relationship you're in, there's one common denominator, and it's you. The things that have made you successful in every other aspect of your life are the same things that are going to come into your relationship. Whether you suppress them because you don't you don't feel like it or you don't want to do it in the relationship or you don't think it'll be attractive in the relationship, they will come to the surface eventually. I love hearing both perspectives because it made me reflect. And for me, the truth is somewhere in the middle. But where is it for you? Now, speaking of you, I want to tell you about First Leaf, the wine club that sends me and possibly you, if you want to get under this offer, personalized shipments of bottles that are based on your unique palate right to our doors. And let me tell you why this is one of the Brady family's go-to services during the holidays. So I've learned this might be cultural, but I've always taught don't show up at someone else's house empty-handed, which often means for me, because I'm a late person, that I'm already late for somebody's house and I realize, oh, I gotta just pick up some wine on the way. And then I pick up a bottle that's like rushed and I'm not proud of. So I thought to myself, there's gotta be a better way. And there is. And this way gets you better wine and you're gonna pay 30% less than what you would pay at a wine 
online store and it'll be delivered to your door. So no more rush trips to get started. Go to First Leaf's website, answer a few questions, and then their expert team will select a customized assortment of world-class wines based on your preferences. Then you can rate those. So if you continue on, they're going to send you back wines based on your feedback. And you guys know, or you know, if you listen to the podcast, that I'm a Moscato only kind of gal. So our first box, Jared did all the picking, but now it's Moscato, or as I've learned from the site, Muscatel or Muscat time. So what are you waiting for? Find the wine that you will love this holiday season with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash lovers to sign up and you will get your first six hand curated bottles for just $44.95. That is tryfirstleaf.com slash lovers. Again, tryfirstleaf.com slash lovers. How's your mom and dad's relationship? So they were always very like hot and cold, uh, deeply immersed in each other or completely fighting. Mm -hmm. And then what about that made you feel like, I'd like this relationship? Because <laughs> that's what you think love is, right? When you see it. I, I've been really good about avoiding anxious avoidant dynamics. Like I've spent 10 years working on that. So I don't really find that behavior attractive anymore. Um, but I don't know if I've just switched to the to being more secure, if I've switched to being more avoidant. You know, like kind of how when you're working on an issue, sometimes you go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Yes. Yeah. I had an aha actually about that, that I thought of myself as secure because I have an anxious parent and an avoidant parent. So I was like, oh, I netted out as secure. <laughs> and then I started to assess past relationships. I was like, no, no, no. You were extremely anxious. And then when that person didn't reciprocate, you became very avoided. Oh, so you're, you're disorganized attachment. Yes. Wow. I had an best. ex who was like, you ne I never knew how you felt. And oh. I was like, what are you talking about? I made you a scrapbook. Like <laughs> I canceled like a trip to be with you. I did all these things. And then he was like, yeah, but then you go through such as a time of not speaking to me. And then I would, you'd be so cruel sometimes. And oh, I was like, wow. yeah, because you didn't scrapbook me back. Yeah. So I oh had my to punish God. you. Doesn't that make sense? That makes sense to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so are you, do you find yourself being more secure now? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, I think I embrace both parts of myself. I think coming from a parental system where my parents would never even admit this, but I do acknowledge that one of my parents loved me very anxiously and the other loved me very avoidantly. So I think I have both inside of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that it maybe balances out to secure, but um, I can have both tendencies. Do you feel like the relationship you're in also defines that? Like if you're with someone more anxious, do you then become more avoidant or vice versa? And that is the thing with attachment style. It's yeah. dependent on each relationship. So mm. I'm even curious for you who's dating two people right now, if you see different parts of yourself show up in those dynamics. Um, yes. It's weird because like the guy who's in his 50s, we dated and I was way more anxious and we had like a brief breakup. Um, because he, he kept like threatening to end the relationship because his big wound is like disappointing people. If he felt like he was disappointing me or if I was seeking reassurance from him, it made him feel very triggered and he would like flip the table on the relationship. So I got very anxiously attached. Like he would just like if I was like, hey, can I get some reassurance that, you know, your online behavior, uh, what you're the content you're engaging with online has nothing to do with your feelings with me. He'd be like, ah, I'm not the man you want me to be. Uh, we shouldn't date anymore. And I'm like, what? Um, so he did that a couple times and it got to a point where it was triggering my abandonment wound because uh, my sister committed suicide. And so anytime someone like threatens to end a relationship or breaks a relationship, it really sends me into fight or flight. And so I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I ended it. Um, we've recently reconnected and I've found myself being, I think, more securely attached to him. But I also wonder if that's because I'm dating two people at once. So I have less of that anxious attachment and need with him. 
Because, you know, you have options elsewhere. Which yeah. the first time you guys dated, you didn't have that. I, I kind of, I, I tend to be a person where I really like someone. I don't see anyone else. And I've, I've been told through many dating coaches, I've done a lot of dating coaching, that like you, as you should date multiple people so you can contrast and compare and at least in the beginning stages, right? Like really like know that there's more options out there, especially when you're anxiously attached. Cause I tend to glom on and I would be that person who's like overthinking how often they're texting. When are they texting? How often they are initiating, which then just puts you in like a really keen, desperate energy, which isn't great. Yeah. I was actually going to mention that because I think in my relationship, I get to be anxiously attached, but the fun version. What do you mean? Like, it's kind of fun to be needy. Yeah. It's fun to be demanding. Yeah. It's fun to be like, I need love and compliments <laughs> and then to have your person meet those needs. So rather than, I think sometimes we can interpret secure as like an inherent knowing. So I have the inherent knowing, mm. but I can allow myself to be needy sometimes. And it's great. I love that. Yeah. And I think the avoidant thing is something that I still struggle with when we get into arguments. Um, even over the past couple, I had a great conversation with Bart and Gio. Are you mm. friends with them? No. Or no? I think makes, I, I'm only saying, cause you guys are Asian. So there, we, <laughs> there I go. <laughs> Um, and they're OG YouTubers too, but they were talking about their dynamic, their relationship and they're like, divorce is off the table. It's not even something we think about. And I'm like, wow, my whole life, I come from a similar parenting dynamic where my parents are so explosive and divorce is always on the table in my house. My parents are constantly threatening to get divorced or acting as they will get divorced. They've never gotten divorced in 40 years. But I think that that's also how I got married. Like, oh, I can always just get divorced. And so whenever we get into arguments, my brain would use that as like the safety blanket. Mm. Like, I don't need you. I don't have to be in this relationship. I'd be fine mm. without you. And then only in the past few years have I been like, I actually don't need to do that. And it's not fun. Yeah. Being anxious and needy, fun. Yeah. Being avoidant, fuck you. I can burn this place down. I don't need you. Not that much fun. I mean, especially like, do you think that having kids influenced this taking divorce off the table dynamic? No. No, especially when you have one. When you have one kid, you could pack that one kid up. I'll be just fine. <laughs> now that I have that. two, definitely it's, it changes the thing because I need his ass. Yeah. When I had one, I could do this by myself. No problem. Yeah, oh my um, God. Okay. I am so curious about not only are you dating older men yeah. and have you always, but you're talking about it so joyfully and confidently. Lol. I was mentioning to you that I had a guest on who yeah. just brought this up, but it was really from the warning standpoint. Oh, interesting. Um. I guess I would have a warning. The thing is, like, I think my my dynamic to it changed once I got financially independent. So with Ray, I was, it was like almost textbook isolation. What uh, was your guys' age gap? Sorry for um, God, I don't even. I think it's over ten, over ten years. Um, he also dated a woman right before me. We actually are friends. I went to her wedding this weekend, where they they also had a similar age gap. And I remember asking her. Years later, I was like, would you classify your relationship with him as abuse? And she was like, no, not at all. Like, I don't have a similar experience as you. And then only recently she's come to realize like, oh, I was 19 and he was in his mid thirties. And I, that's not okay. She was like trying to, she was really seeing herself at that age now dating a 19 year old. And she was like, I can't even fathom that. And uh, as like someone in there, I think it's different when you're 30. Like now that I'm a 30 year old dating people who might be, you know, 10, 20 years older than me, the power dynamics don't feel as off to me because I'm like, I'm financially independent. I don't rely on this person. I'm also, you know, I've been around the world enough to where I feel like my prefrontal cortex is baked. But when you're under 27 dating older, I definitely see that as a warning sign. Can you give a story or an example of why you feel that way? Yeah. I mean, there's just so much I didn't, know about myself or about the world. Let me think about uh, what's a good example of dating older. I didn't know the the textbook signs of abuse. I think, you know, 
I was in a relationship where it seemed like a wonderful offer and it was a wonderful offer where Ray offered to uh, have me quit all my jobs. He's like, quit all your jobs, move in with me. I'll pay the rent. You just focus on your career. And I was like, oh my God, what a gift. And it was like, it was a really amazing gift that I have tried to give other people throughout my life because I was like, oh, the opportunity to just spend all of your time focused on your creativity is great. But then it would become, I'm paying all the bills so I get to dictate who you see, when you see them, what friends you have. I think at one point he said like, I don't give a fuck about your friends and family. Or like, I don't want you being friends with this girl because you know she doesn't have positive things to say about our relationship. And I think if I someone said that to me now, I'd be like, well, fuck, fuck you. I'll go, I'll go live on my own and pay rent. But at the time it was a very parental dynamic and it ended up becoming this this very controlling thing. Like if we had the same outfits I had to change before we went out to dinner or, you know, every, every final decision was his. And I kind of got into this place where I didn't have any independence or autonomy or agency. And I had kind of given that up to him. And it was weird. Cause my dad even warned me before we moved in together. He was like, don't take any money from this man. He won't respect you anymore. And in hindsight, I'm like, does that mean you don't respect mom? Because you were the breadwinner. And he kind of operated in a lot of the same ways uh, as Ray did with me, uh, with my mom, where it's like, well, because I'm making all the money, like I get to have final say over everything. Even though my mom was a mom for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, she never got a break. My dad would get to come home and he expects dinner on the table and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, she's, she's working way harder than you, no offense. Uh, but my dad even had like female platoon members who who would talk about going to Afghanistan, how that was a paid vacation compared to raising their three kids at home. Um, but I think also maybe my, you know, I think it's hard because I like dating older men. There's a lot of perks, but at the same time, like, do you ever question, am I just playing out what I was taught in childhood and whether do I actually like this or is this just familiar to me? For people who are watching this, who are in their 20s, what advice would you give to them about dating older? Ooh, I would say don't do it until your prefrontal cortex is baked. Um, I would say if you're in your 20s, don't date anyone older than 30. Honestly, in my early 20s, I dated a lot of older people and I don't think it served me. I think I think th there was something wrong with them to be attracted to to me. Tell me more about that. Well, I also looked like a baby. Like I look quite young naturally. And I see photos of myself at 1920 and I was like, 35 year olds were dating this like gross. Um, and I think like even sometimes I wonder like, why aren't women their age dating them? You know, like I and I know why with the 50 and 60 year old, but like. There is something to be said for like mm, women their age don't want these these people. And there's a reason for that is because they are mentally very, very immature. And so I would warn young 20s from staying away from older men, especially if they say like, oh, you're so mature for your age and you're this and you're that. I'm like, no, babe, you're you're immature for your age. And I think like just older, the older you get, the more you can kind of see someone's red flags. And then it's up to you to be like, okay, I can move forward knowing this and being self-aware of this. But at 20, I was just an idiot who was like, oh, his brother committed suicide. My sister committed suicide. We're meant to be together, you know, versus being like, oh, this man has a sex addiction. <laughs> um, but what about you? What advice would you give people dating in their 20s? I've never done it before, but I think you kind of want somebody who you're, it's on evil playing field. Yeah. Like I'm not going to sign up to be in a, basketball league with people who are like six feet up and male. Yeah. I want to play with people who are at my skill level. Interesting. Especially when you're younger and you're developmentally, like it's, it doesn't really matter how good I get at basketball. I'm never going to the NBA, but <laughs> there's obviously when you're young, you play against people, your own age and skill level and size because they know the zone of proximal development is such that 
you're going to have the best shot at getting better if you yeah. stay within that zone. If you started playing with much, much older, you don't get playing time. Your confidence goes down. So mm. it doesn't actually help you develop long term. Interesting. Hopping in because I'm always thrilled when I can use concepts that I paid to learn about because let's be honest, school is expensive. So if you're not familiar, Zone of Proximal Development speaks to the range of skills and tasks that a learner is capable of accomplishing with assistance, but incapable of accomplishing on their own. So you want to be in some one's ZPD when you're learning, especially during your childhood or adolescent years. Now, it is important that educators know what your ZPD is because if the material is so easy that you can do it without any assistance or scaffolding, eventually you're going to get bored and then the learner, you, becomes disengaged and then you lose an opportunity for growth. But on the flip side, if the material is too challenging that it goes over your head and you need assistance to complete most of the project, then the opportunity for growth is also lost. So we're going to bring this back right now to the topic at hand. When a person under the age of 25 has a romantic relationship with someone who has significant more life experience, more resources, and better reasoning skills because of the development of their prefrontal cortex, naturally the dynamic skews to teacher-student. And if the teacher isn't a skilled teacher or worse, more interested in their own gain than the growth of all involved, shit can go really, really bad for the learner. Which not only means reduced learning opportunities within the relationship, but it can mean lingering negative self-perception, belief that dictatorship style relationships are healthy and or fear of future intimacy because the brain registers love as too hard or too dangerous because of unequal power dynamics. So yes, that is why I second Anna's advice about people under 25 dating people drastically older. I don't think it's a good idea, but you might have a different take depending on your experience. And if so, I'd love to hear about it. All right, now we're gonna go to our ad break. And speaking of things that are great to hear, don't you love it when someone says to you, Where'd you get that? This holiday season, Uncommon Goods wants that to be the thing you hear over and over again. They are a place to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everybody on your list. From art and jewelry, to kitchen, to home, to bar and to kids toys. So I showed you guys what was in my cart last time we talked about Uncommon Goods, but sadly, the Sandcastle kit sold out before I checked out. So warning, if you like it, get it, because their items are often made in small batches. Another good reason to shop at Uncommon Goods is you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. Plus, with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. And to date, they have donated over drum roll please, two and a half million dollars. So to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash lovers. That's uncommongoods.com slash lovers for 15% off. Do not miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon goods, because we're all out of the ordinary. Right. I mean, I'm kind of dating a 60 year old and he was like, why? Like, yeah, <laughs> he's like, why? why? And I was like, I don't know. You're really hot. I don't know what to say. Um, but he made a joke that he was like, because he also finds a lot of younger women are very attracted to him. And he's like, I don't get it. But like, OK, um, now I want to see a picture of him. Oh, I'll show you. I'll show you a picture okay. after this. I'll show you a photo. He's very hot. But it is funny because he's like, yeah, I, like so many women in their 30s are very attracted to him. And he like made, made a joke. He's like, at some point, I just have to be like, you can go like as I get older, like just know like we can be together now. But like, I understand you're going to leave. But I don't know. I've also I'm also very comfortable in a caretaker role. Like 
uh, I feel like a lot of the men I'm attracted to just remind me of my senior cats, <laughs> like the personalities. So I get very comfortable being like, oh, I know how to do this. Like I know how to take care of this person. I know how to exist in this dynamic and it's fun for me. Well, that's also logical because you're dating seniors. Yeah. They're going to need somebody <laughs> yeah. to wipe that booty. <laughs> and I'll be like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> Sponge baths all day, yeah, daddy. Show me it. That's actually, I read um, like a memoir from the Playhouse Bunnies um, and they were saying that that there's this vision of what the Playboy Mansion is like. But yeah. as Hef got older, it was like a senior's home. Oh, my and God. And so majority of the sex even would be like lots of breaks, lots of massages, lots of like naps for him, wow. for new medications. And so it was like anything but what you it would envision because he's old. That's pretty fun. I would like a TV show about that, please. I think there was. <laughs> I feel like there was some kind of a TV show about it. I'm curious about the line that you said that your dad gave you that cautionary line. If you accept money from him, he won't respect you. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I don't know. I don't know if my, it's, it did happen. So it's hard. I don't know if it's like a wide generalization, but my dad was always like, don't accept money from men until you're married or don't, uh, don't give up your agency until you're married, which I always thought was quite weird. Um, but I don't know. I think my, my parents, their biggest source of conflict is finances. Because some people might look at it like the only benefit to dating older is money. Mm -hmm, so if you're mm -hmm. not taking the money, what are you getting in return? No, I mean, I am a, I like an early dinner. I like going to bed early, even though like with doing stand-up comedy, sometimes that's not always a reality. I find older men, for the most part, they're more self-aware. Um, I, I don't know. There's a lot of benefits to older men. They have a skincare routine. So I'm, if, I, if I forget my shit at home, I could be like, oh, babe, give me that Pond's cream, you know? Uh, they've always got Pepto-Bismol in it. <laughs> <laughs> they have a little bit of more fine taste. I'm just, I, I don't know. I find like dating men my age, uh, it's, I've done it. I've dated as young as 21 to as old as 60. So I've been around the spectrum. How old were you when someone was 21? Uh, I was 32. So I've been the older woman in some, you know, like three month, five month things. But I, I don't know, like, I also like maybe I, I like the idea of like a man who's already at the top of his mountain. So he's like, OK, I'm good. Like I've, I've finished my career. I've settled this. And so he can support me, not financially, but just like emotionally and professionally, because I've had some men when they're younger, they have that career drive. Like they don't feel like they've conquered it yet. So they can't give you as much time or attention or support or love or, you know, even like maybe you've did you get famous before meeting Jared? Did you experience success prior to him? Kind of sort of. It's like gray, not as much. I okay. was making 12000 a year when I met Jared. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I would say like most men my age are not as on my level professionally or financially. And so it tends to create a, a more difficult power dynamic where the man will feel very emasculated by my ability to provide. Like I've been the sugar mama for like two boyfriends and eventually it created a lot of resentment on their end unintentionally because they felt like they couldn't take me out or keep up with the lifestyle that I had, even though I was like, it's fine. I'm paying for everything. I think to a certain extent, it really made them question their own masculinity. Do you think that there's something similar to where when you were in that position of power, did you feel, feel yourself respecting them less? Yeah, I think so. And it wasn't from a, I make more money than them way. It was, uh, they wouldn't, take me on dates because I think, I think they felt really insecure. And I'd be like, I just want you to like romance me. And it doesn't have to be expensive. Take me to a park, take me to like, I don't know, the swans in Echo Park Lake or something. You know, it could be cheap. It doesn't have to be this big thing, but there was almost this lack of romantic effort because they felt like nothing they did would be good enough anyway. So it was almost self-defeating. Um, or, you know, if I was paying all of the bills and felt like mom 
then at the end of the day, they wanted to have sex. There was a part of me that was like, oh, I don't, I don't, I'm not feeling as turned on because you haven't invested in me as a partner and I've been investing in you all day as like sugar mommy. When you see a lot of women who have valid gripes about mm-hmm. dating today, mm-hmm. does a part of you feel like being like, come over to the gray side? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Or am I just having my emotional unavailability manifest in a different way and evolving? Like, like I, I just don't know. Um, well, I guess you just know in terms of if you feel more, I, I, I'm tempted to say happier, but mm-hmm. that's not the right word. If you feel more contentment out of dating. Mm. I, I will say the guy I'm dating who's 50, he, There's he's like, I am a man of no mystery. He was like, you never have to guess where we stand. Although he doesn't, like, by his own admission, the man has never had, like, a real long-term solid relationship because he's got his own intimacy issues. But I never have to worry about, oh, is he playing games with me via texting? Is he, you know, not trying to see me? Is he trying to do that push-pull thing? Like, he's very straightforward, which I really appreciate. And if I state, like, a need that doesn't trigger, like, him feeling that, oh, I've let someone down, then he's really great at being like, oh, okay, you want to see me more? No problem. Let's figure that out. I'll get back to you ASAP. Like if he doesn't answer, I know he's working or he's, he's busy, but otherwise there's no, there's no, there's no game there that I feel like a lot of younger men can tend to play, which makes me feel at ease and in control and, and have a little more power in my dating life. So yeah, I guess there is that. Can I ask a question about kids? Yeah. What's your feelings on that? Before we get to that, I want to show some love to our sponsor, HelloFresh. And I also want to clear the air on a comment that I saw on the last episode where one of our friends said they don't like the fact that this show is sponsored by more than one food delivery service. And while I understand how that can appear like we're playing for multiple teams, the truth is there is a difference between meal delivery services and ready-made meal delivery services. And you can actually use both the exact same time. So let me explain right now. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service. And what that means is they give you the farm fresh pre-proportioned ingredients and picture step-by-step instructions on how you can turn your ingredients into a gourmet meal for two or four, depending on your needs. Now, the pro of meal kits is that you have control over what you're eating since you choose from 45 weekly recipes and you also decide how it's cooked. Now, Jared is so much more picky than me about temperature of his meat and firmness of his pastas and his rices, so he prefers meal kits. Versus me, I'm fine with ready-made meals. And while personally, I don't enjoy cooking, Ryu does. So HelloFresh gives us that bonding time, but still allows me to save the time and money that I would lose if I did straight groceries. So if this sounds good to you, speaking of groceries, you're gonna love the fact that now, HelloFresh has a market where you can get easy breakfasts, quick lunches, snacks, and all this gets delivered in your box weekly. So if this sounds good to you, try America's number one meal kit. And there's more to the kit with HelloFresh Market. You can also add easy breakfasts, quick lunches, snacks, all delivered along with your weekly box. And if that sounds enticing, you're going to eat this up, baby. Go to HelloFresh.com slash loversfree and use code loversfree for free breakfast for life. That means that one breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That is free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash loversfree. But you got to put in that code, lovers free. In my 20s, I would have said, absolutely must have kids. I want them. At 30, I started questioning if that was just something that society's told me that I've wanted. I've also, you know, I had six cats at a point. I run an informal halfway house for women getting out of abusive relationships. So I'm constantly in a caretaker role. 
I think I'm in this position now where I'm a little, I'm like, I could take or leave kids depending on the person I end up with. I, I am bisexual, but I am, in, in terms of my pie chart, I'm much more attracted to men sexually. Like with women, I'm a little bit more bi-romantic. Like we've, I've only ever fallen in love with women I've known for a really long time. We're really close friends. And then one day I'm like, oh shit, I love her. Um, so I've always seen myself ending up with a man, but I, there's not a lot of men I meet that I think they'd be great fathers. And so I, I kind of don't have that instinct to like procreate with them. Cause I'm like, oh, I don't know if this would be an equal parenting relationship. That's what I'm curious too, about when you're going for older men, yeah. maybe a part of the lore. Like if I'm thinking about the sales pitch for people, it's yeah. like a lot of women today don't want kids and they want to focus on their career. And there's, mm. there's just so much life to live. I yeah. mean, at the end of the day, kids are a huge inhibitor to where you can go, what you can do, what mm. changes and choices you can make. So there is a lot of life out there to live. And if you want that type of variety for yourself, I think many women are saying, I'm going to opt out of the kids thing. So I think part of the sales pitch would be like, go older. Yeah. Because one, they probably already did that. Or yeah. two, if they haven't done it, they probably ain't going to do it. So yeah. no one's going to bother you. Did you always want kids? Not until Jared. Wow. Yeah. You were, were you always against or were I you ambivalent? Yeah. Wow. I was against it. Um, and I think also just my sister is like, the opposite story of me she got married at she got pregnant first and then got married like 25 and then had wow. kids and got the minivan like all that and I always looked at my sister as somebody who couldn't make another choice mm. like if she wanted to go to Venezuela she could not like yeah. there were 70 different things that she had to do and I never wanted that I yeah. could always make a choice like I could just decide to go be a juggler on the beach <laughs> yeah in Ibiza like tomorrow and so I really revered that and um I also believe there's a lot of life to live and I yeah. wanted to live that but it was when I met Jared and we had this life and we had built so much. And I was like, we have a lot. We should share this with somebody. Aww. And yeah, that's when I decided like I wanted to do kids with somebody. How do you feel now that you're on the the other side of it? Do you feel like it is actually inhibiting your choices or are you like it, the trade-off is beyond worth it? Well, I'm 38. So I'm so yeah. grateful for that, that I had kids when I did because mm. It would not have worked a moment sooner. I had already accomplished a lot of the big things that I had really dreamt of for myself, things that really mattered. So when did you have kids? 30, 35, 35 was my first okay. and then 37 was the second. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. So I'm grateful for the time that I did it. And now that I'm in it, could not even imagine a different existence. And it's rad. It's rad and it's terrible. It's everything yeah. that you've heard, but mostly rad. So yeah, I'm like cool with it, but I can imagine... The pressure that you might feel, especially as you get closer to that age 40, yeah. if you're dating younger or your own age and you're still undecided. So being with somebody older must give you that infinite space to be like, how do I actually feel? Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. I dated a man who was 40. He was my last major relationship and he wanted kids like yesterday. Um, and it was a big source of contention in, in our relationship because I wasn't ready for it. I was like, I won't even consider kids for three to five years. I've always kind of known... I was going to get married later in life. I, if I wanted kids, I would have that later in life. Like I've always been career first. Cause like one time I talk about this, but my mom uh, had like a very Britney Spears moment where she just like shaved her head. And I gotta meet your mom. She's a riot. You would fucking love she's her. She's a gambler. She's a gambler. She's a riot. She's eaten everything under the sun. She's so funny. She's like, honestly, like a lot of people think that like, my mom's the reason I got into stand up as a teenager because she's just hilarious. Um, but she had this moment where she was raising all three of us. My dad was in Afghanistan for like a six months tour. Understandably, she had a little mentee beat. You know, she had a little mental breakdown. Shaved her head one night, was super drunk, screaming, crying. 
And she was like, she grabbed me by the shoulders and she was like, don't have kids. Don't make the mistake I did. Have a career. Be someone. And I kind of like laughed at her and I was like, whatever, mom, you fucking loser. And like ran away. But I, I do always think like, is that the reason? I I saw the toll it really took on her. She was like a waitress in the Philippines, met my dad, who's 11 years older, came to America, had this big idea of what it would be like to be in America, to be a wife, to be a mother, had me at 20, my brother two years later, my sister two years after that. And I and just had no, and my dad, to his credit, encouraged her to go to college, encouraged her to get a job. But she was like, I want to devote my, you know, my, my youth to the kids. Um, but there's so many times I look at that now where I'm like, I'm an ungrateful daughter. Do I call this woman? No. Like, I I don't really see her that much. I gripe every time I have to go home for Christmas. Like, uh, and I'm sure there's a part of her that's like, what the fuck? Like I put all my effort and love into these things that like, won't even call me once a week. Um, and she said as much, like she said, like she really wishes she had taken the opportunity to have a career and live her life. And like, I think it's so great because you can probably show up as a mom now having made that decision from from a place of empowerment and yes. having things under your belt. Well, it's different, I guess. She was empowered as well, mm-hmm. but maybe not informed about what the trade-off would be and then wasn't able to transition. I think that's an important part too, where I met somebody actually recently who they have three kids yeah, and then they just, their third kid just ended up being like 13. And then the mom was like, let's start all over again. Holy so they have shit. a baby right now. But I recognize that as like, oh, you don't know who how to exist if you're not- needed yeah. in a matrimony, in a matronly way. Yeah. So you're like, I have to stay having kids so that I can keep my sense of purpose. Mm. And I'm like, that seems tricky. Do you find it difficult to balance self-love when you're also now like your your wife, your mother, you have the quote unquote happy ending? Like, is there a part of you that finds it difficult to balance? Because we all have a finite amount of like time and energy, yes. you know? That's a big thing too, I think was helpful is that not tying self-love to activities anymore. Mm. So it's not tied to like, I ran today, I did yoga, yeah. I made a cup of tea. It's literally just a thought. Yeah, Like, oh, like it's checking in with myself. It's one AirPod in where I can mm. listen to something that like enriches me a different way while I'm coloring on the ground. So I think that self-love is no longer something that like feels very separate or that I have to do like a self-care routine. But yeah. I think that's kind of cool too. So It's just, I don't know. I think to your mom's point, it's good to listen to all stories Mm. and then be like, which one's mine? I think Elizabeth Gilbert, did she write Eat, Pray, Love? Yes, love, love Gilbert. She doesn't have kids and she talks about it so empoweringly. And Mm. when you hear what this woman does in a year and where she goes and who she talks to, you're like, I'll take that life. Like that seems rad. So I would imagine that for as long as you can have the time to think about it, I always say the second that I thought I want to have kids there's no turning back. Wow. There's nothing like there would never be a better version of me that wasn't a mom from that point on because mm. it just became a deep desire. If I didn't really have that thought, I could have definitely had a wonderful, fulfilling life without kids. Mm. But um, I also was dating somebody younger mm. and I was mid 30s. So there was a part of me that had to have this like shit or get off the pot mentality with yeah. it. So yeah. that's why I think it could be kind of cool when you're dating up that you're like, it's also if it happens, it happens, right? Yeah. With the guy who was 40, who really wanted kids, did you see him as father material? I th- The thing is, I thought he would be a great father, but not a great husband. Do you believe in a forever partner? I think conceptually, yes. I think when I really confront it deep down, that terrifies me. Like, I, I think I'm in the same as you, where I find comfort in the option of divorce, um, the 60 year old I'm dating has been divorced twice, never wants to get married again, which might be a problem for me, but I'm always like, I'd make a great second wife. I'd make a great third wife. Why not? 
Uh, you know, you've already been wrong on paper. I love that for us. But I would like to be married. I think I would like a forever partner. When you date, is that an intention in mind or is that just like a loose option? It used to be an intention. It used to be. But I felt like it, I, I think dating women also helped me with this where I would date women. And by date two, there was I could feel the expectation of like, if you're not my forever, then fuck off. Or like we're dating with intention and like, are you this and how do we fit together? And it felt like job interviews sometimes. Yes. And I was like, oh, I understand the other side of this now. Or they'd be like, do you want kids? I need to know that immediately because I'm X, Y, Z and I'm ready to do it. And I was like, we don't even know each other yet. We don't know if we have fun. We don't know if, we, if we're if we playful. We don't know what side we even bring out in each other. This is like date two or three. And I understand needing a certain criteria, but like it felt like an interrogation. And so I, it, it was actually like a reflection of my behavior on dates. And I was like, oh, this is how I'm coming across to some people. I think that that abundance mindset with the casualness mindset works so perfectly because when you do know, eventually I'm going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I'm not going to be at a short of suitors or potentials. Mm -hmm. So why do I have to put pressure on anybody other than if I don't enjoy it? Yeah. Right. And if you don't enjoy it, why are you putting pressure on it anyways? Absolutely. So I think if you have that relaxed mentality and the whole goal is just, do I enjoy my time with you? Is the best version of me in this moment possible when I'm around you? Yeah. If the answer is no, then you get weeded out. If it's yes, but you have, you know, you live with your mom still or you're... <laughs> you don't want kids, whatever, like those details actually don't really matter in the exchange that we're signing up for today. What do you feel about, I'm curious, because I really love your dating advice. It's so measured. There's nuance to it. It always takes into account the complexity of humans. But I look at, sometimes I get very like sucked into TikTok holes. Like my algorithm will start changing where it's like, you like dating content. And then there's all these creators that are like, don't have sex for like the first three months and like hack his vasopressin to make him fall in love. Like ask him Dead. to do stuff or, you know, like all of this, like kind of toxic, emotionally manipulative, like gaming someone's intermittent dopamine reinforcement system. Like what do you think of all of the shit dating advice that's out there right now? Popping in because as the author of The Game of Desire, I felt it was important to provide my official stance on playing games in relationship. I am all for them as long as the games are designed for you to be the best, most relaxed, proudest version of yourself while you figure out what a winning outcome would look like with the other person. So unlike traditional games like Monopoly, where you enter into it knowing exactly what a winner would look like and what the objective of the game is, with dating, you can't do that because you don't know the other person. But what you do know is that if you can show up as the best version of yourself, you're more likely to get to the authentic outcome that was meant for both of you. So the games that I used to play in dating had less to do with tricking the other person or getting that person to like me under a false pretense and more about setting myself up to enjoy who I would be in reflection of that person. And if that sounds too heady, here's a concrete example. When I was dating, I never called or text the other person first. I always waited for them to reach out. Now, once they did, I would be very responsive and I would provide immediate positive reinforcement or as soon as I possibly could, but I just knew myself that if I did the reach outs, I would get into that slot machine thing of if that person didn't respond, now I'd be waiting for their call and text and I hated that feeling. And moreover, if I made the plans and I pitched it and that person showed up, I would for some reason have the insecurity that I was short for time with them or questioning if they really wanted to be there. So I just got rid of that altogether by saying a rule and a game that I am playing is that I'm just not gonna reach out first. 
The purpose of that was not to get the other person to chase me. The purpose of that wasn't to create a withdrawal system. The purpose of that, again, was to put myself in a position where I could be chill and relaxed. And those are the kind of games that I vouch for. Now, I do think that once you identify a winning outcome together, and now you're working on the same team towards the same goal, games like this no longer become necessary because you can explain to somebody your vulnerabilities, your triggers, your attachment style, and you can come up with a winning strategy together. So that is my two cents. And now I wanna put you guys on worth a million dollars of game with ZocDoc. So question, have you ever been on the hunt for a new doctor and you ask literally everybody you know for their recommendation? Now, you know you want a doctor who listens to you, who gets you and makes you feel comfortable. And then finally, after weeks of searching and asking, you find the one. And not only do they do all the things, but they're also close by. And you and the doctor are both Aries, Moon, Libra, Rising, because I know to some of you, that's important. So you call the office so excited and then you find out that doctor is not taking new patients or they don't take your specific insurance. Well, I wanna tell you something, wipe off your tears and head over to ZocDoc to find and book the doctor who is right for you and takes your insurance and is available. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top rated patient reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located close to you and treat almost any condition you're searching for. The average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 to 48 hours. And that's it. You can actually score same day appointments as well. ZocDoc gets it and get this, it's free. So I just keep it on my phone because there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to review doctors like we review everything else when we need it. So go to ZocDoc.com lovers and download the ZocDoc app for free Then find and book a top rated doctor today. And like I said, the app is free. So technically you don't need my link, but it helps the show if you go through ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash lovers. When I first meet somebody, I'm very mindful of like how to woo them, how to make myself memorable to that person, how to stand out, how to ensure that they want me around in the future. But that's just not sustainable. Yeah. Like for me to be that mindful around you all the time, then also it doesn't really allow authentic space for you to get to know me. Yeah. Like even in this dynamic, if you ask me a question, my brain is immediately like, how do I get the question back to her? Mm-mm. So it's not like an actual genuine conversation we're having right now. So I think if you're like in that mindset with people, they don't really get to know you. So it works, I can think in the beginning, but eventually it has to peter off. Yeah, I definitely think it's like, the ritual, you know, peacocks dance, we're out here texting. Like, I I agree with you in that there's a certain level of like texting etiquette or social etiquette that's very important in the beginning until you show your specific brand of like mental illness. Cute neediness. (laughs) (laughs) Like I had a guy recently question react his own messages if I didn't respond within 24 hours. And it's the biggest ick I've ever gotten. Oh, explain that to me. Um, it was, it felt like an entitlement to my time. I was like, I'll get back to you when I get back to you. Like, uh, it was just so weird. I don't know. There was something about it of like, he had, he had asked a scheduling question. I was waiting to hear back. And like right now I believe texts are emails. Like we're all just trying to survive and notifications are relentless. So I'm just like, I'll get back to people in a hierarchy of needs and someone I've never met face to face. I, they're not at the top of the list. And so it was less than 24 hours later and he just like question reacted his own message. And I was like, oh, I hate this. I will never date this person. Is it because it's kind of passive aggressive? It is. It's passive aggressive. It's an entitlement to a response. And also it's less than 24 hours. Like chill out. Yeah. I would almost have appreciated it. Hey, I get you're busy. Just wanted to bump this. Like that would have been fine. 
How old is that guy, actually, let me ask? Um, I think he's in his 30s. That's the problem. <laughs> Not into his golden years yet. No, I know. Yeah, that's why. If he was 50, it'd be a different story. Can I ask about sex with older men? Yeah. What's it like? How is it different? Is it different? I don't think it is. I don't think it's very different. In my experience, there has been no like, oh no, he needs Viagra or he's does, he can't get it up or anything like that. Um, yeah, dick's a dick. What is your type right now? Like if you were to just create the architect in this time oh, of God. freeness and relaxed nature, I know it's probably not something as rigid as it may have been five years ago, yeah. but what comes to mind? I mean, it's funny because I'm also, I'm sort of seeing a woman as well and she looks exactly like the female version of the men I'm dating. So the two men I'm dating have longer silver hair. One has like a really bushy mustache. The other has like uh, scruffiness. The girl I'm dating has long silver hair. She's not older. She's not that much older. She's like in her forties, um, but she just ended up dying it that way. Um, usually like lanky, tall, um, kind of nerdy, a little insecure, but like in a really endearing way. Um, loves cats. Two of them love cats. Yeah. A lot of women in your age group who are dating are getting that time crunch feeling. They're mm. feeling like I need to find my person. We need to mm. figure out the kid situation. We need to like hunker down, make this serious because of this clock that we've been conditioned our whole life to see in the rear view mirror. How do you ignore it? I mean, I really felt that pressure, I think a couple of years ago. I think I really made peace with the fact that if it's meant to happen, it will. I have been like, I'm like, I've also, I'm not opposed to adoption. Like when I really, like I would love to have the experience of pregnancy. I think that's a beautiful, amazing um, potential experience that I would like to have. But I was like, isn't it more important to bring a kid into this world with someone who I know is going to be an amazing parent who I love so much. I have to procreate with them rather than to have this person step into a role I've determined they should have, because I want to have this fantasy of what my life is yes. like the reality of also motherhood. And you know, for, I've read like a lot of books that are actually anti oh, anti motherhood. Like I read a book called regretting motherhood that were anonymous stories from women who would not do it again because I was like, it's, it's taboo to say anything bad about having a kid, about being pregnant, et cetera. We as a society are sort of, you know, if you don't want that, there's something wrong with you. And if you don't, if you don't further your biological legacy, like what are you good for? That is a less, I think a, a message and a lesson that women have been told our whole lives. And so I was like, let me really try to understand what this is in its fullness so that if I do choose it with someone, I know, you know, you said it was rad and terrible, right? You said it's all the things you've heard. So I was like, let me really read about what's going to be terrible yes. about this so I can go into it with the realistic expectation instead of, you know, thinking, oh, when I'm pregnant, I'll, everyone will do whatever they want. I'll eat pickles and ice cream like, versus like throwing up over the toilet or like feeling this thing inside of me that's like fucking foreign. Or what if I don't bond with my kid right away? What if I don't like look at its face and immediately fall in love, which I've heard can happen. And so I think for me, it's been like the more real stories I can read about motherhood, about being married, I can be like, okay, who I choose is way more important than if this happens. And when I choose to do it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, we could just end on that word. I'm going <laughs> to insert this question somewhere in the middle though. I'm just curious about this. With dating older men, is there a fear that when you're no longer the young, hot thing, they'll be on to the next? Interesting. Um, no, because like, I'm going to be that nurse. No. Uh, 
Where are they going to go? They can't run very far. No, I mean, with one of them, yes. Um, he was in a relationship when we met. So there was like a little like emotional affair happening. Um, but honestly, n no. I mean, I'm, but I don't know if that's because I'm Asian. So I just have the belief like I'm going to look like this until I'm 70. Yes. And then I'm going to look like a mummy. But I, I, I also believe in my personalities we're sticking around for. Like, I think... It's it's hard as in this society in as a woman it's hard not to put a lot of value into your beauty and a lot of worth into your youth because we're told these are the best things and also I have some friends who've who married young to older men and they're now in a caretaking stage where it's really difficult where they feel like better than ever they want to travel they want to do all these things and their partner can't keep up like you are probably if I married one of them I'd probably be resigning my fifties to fully caretaking. Um, and saying goodbye to them in that stage of life. But I don't know. That's also like 20 years ago. Did I imagine I was going to be here? You know, I don't think it, I don't think all of those questions or putting too much weight on them serve me in this moment, you know? And I think that to your point that if you spent 20 great years with somebody because you focused on the fact that you enjoyed yourself mm -hmm. with them and mm -hmm. that you were able to bring an enjoyable side of them. And then when you got to 50 and you were doing that, Yes, in that moment, it sucks, but it's not as if you would trade those 20 great years that you had yeah. to not give up those five to 10 years to care for that person in their final time. Yeah. I also like, I grew up with a lot of death. I grew up with a lot of hospice care of relatives. So like the idea of it doesn't really scare me as much. Like it would suck if I married someone who was much older and they got dementia and like, they don't recognize me. And I'm like, oh, they should be enjoying these golden years, like on a rocking chair on the patio or what have you. But I, I don't know. Like I've always also had like an inclination that I'm probably going to marry older and that my husband, my first husband anyway, would die before me. So like the idea of that has always kind of been baked into my subconscious. And so I'm not, I'm not super afraid of it. Shout out to Anna Akana. Thank you so much for your time. Now I do want to say for my lovers and friends who've been looking for that shits and gigs episode that you saw me tease on my IG story a couple of weeks ago, that's going to come out next week, but I wanted to put out this episode with Anna right now for this reason. Well, I am doing a monthly show at Dynasty Typewriter. Um, currently, I have November 17th as a date, and then I'll be re recurring monthly there. Um, you can find me doing a new hour of stand-up there or all around town, AnnaOcona.com. An hour of stand-up? Yeah. That's incredible. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. Oh, girl. I got to come to your show on the 17th. Yeah. Maybe I'll put this out before then so then people can go to your 17th show. Love it. That's what we're going to do. Yay. So if you're in LA, that is where I'm going to be next week. So if you can come, hopefully I'll run into you. But if you can't come, no stress because we can just bump into each other here. Again, same time, same place. Bye lovers, bye friends. Have a great week. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'm gonna take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say, lovers and friends. Uh, I'm gonna hold you down, down to the end. I say, lovers and friends. Uh, lovers and friends. And I say, Lovers and friends, uh, I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I said, I'ma wax that, I'ma tax that, bring it back so you can mac that, pack that. Where you going? Press play, podcast streaming, got you going all day, talking about the good, good. Girl, you know you look good, sex, bring sex, feeling understood. Yeah, you find it now, you know good. But if you listen, pay attention, you gon' find out how to make a mystic, got a ticket, baby. You just lovers and friends. Uh,